0: Today, we're back on discipleship. We're talking about discipleship. Uh, See if we can get this working here. Is it going to work for us? There we go. Uh, Disciple of Christ, uh, we're we're still talking about that. Going into this next year, uh, the Lord has impressed on us to to become very uh, intentional about discipleship. Uh, making disciples. That's really what the Great Commission is about. The Great Commission is about not going out and planting churches or going out and having crusades so that we can get a lot of folks to give their heart to the Lord. All of that's wonderful, and those are tools. But but the true purpose of the Great Commission, Jesus said, go out into all the world, making disciples of all men, of everybody. Everyone you meet, teach them to be Disciples, and that for the time back then it was not about oh well hey attended disciple come to church and attended discipleship class uh, that wasn't it and, and we've we've learned these last several weeks that discipleship is was really about doing life together and and when a disciple was following a teacher he would learn to mimic that that teacher well our teacher is the great teacher Christ uh, you know even Paul the the great Apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, Um, he never told anyone, "Hey, be like." He he said, "Follow me as I follow Christ." Right. So, hey, I'm doing my best to follow Christ. So, if you're going to imitate me, imitate me in that vein. (laughs) You know, do your best to follow Christ is what he's saying. Um, And so, so discipleship isn't about coming to church, checking off some boxes, singing a few praise songs, hearing a sermon, reading your Bible. Uh, those are all wonderful tools and, and methodologies that can supplement your discipleship. But, but discipleship is becomes a lifestyle. You know, walking with Christ. And, and the purpose, as we've learned uh, over these last several weeks, uh, and, and Tokes uh, re- reiterated it for us, uh, the, the purpose of discipleship, uh, according to the ancients, was to become become like your master because it's you know you you, we have to think of it not so much in western terms as the way that we do education where you you go to school and you're educated because trust me most most of the students and we we've got several educators that are members of this church and and they'll they'll vouch for this most of the students aren't trying to be like them right (laughs) you show up to class and you do what you got to do and then you get out of there as quick as possible right when the bell rings uh, but you have to think of it a little bit more in uh, Eastern terms. So uh, those of you who are old enough to remember the the show uh, Kung Fu, you know, David Carradine, right? <clears throat> he was a uh, grasshopper. You know, when you, snatch the, when you can snatch the pebbles from my hand, grasshopper, you can leave. And he would sit there and practice Kung Fu and philosophy and all that stuff. So that by the time he made it back to America and he was working in the railroad uh, industry at the time, he was... Uh, you know, he was emulating uh, his master, you know, the old Chinese kung fu master that he learned uh, uh, under over in, in China, where they, they do flashbacks and stuff. Am I the only old guy in this house? Y'all, y'all remember? Any of y'all watch kung fu? Yeah, thank you, sir. Thank you. <clears throat> there you go. Howard, you did. That's good. Hey, oh, hey, all right. We got, we got some fun. kung fu. As a, now, I watched it as a kid. My mom would get me out of the crib and yeah. set me up, probably have to watch, Kung Fu. no. <clears throat> and I was disappointed because I would also watch Kung Fu theater on Saturday afternoons, they'd show those Kung Fu movies. And that had some good action. And I was waiting on David Carradine to just bust out on someone. And he never really did. He always used philosophy to, well, I don't want to philosophize, I, I need to see a chop. But you know, his master taught him otherwise. But but that's that's discipleship. <clears throat> So our goal in discipleship is not to become a better Christian. Our goal is to become like Christ, a a you flavored version of Christ. And and, uh, that's why he made us very unique, is because uh, we are to be fishers of men. And different fish take different bait, right? Right? so, so we are all bait, if you will. <laughs> there, there, there will be some folks that are enticed to Christ much more through your personality than they would be through my personality. And then there's some folks that, that may not hear anything from you, but may ha- hear something from me. Uh, and so, so we get this incredible, uh, unique way of becoming a me-flavored version of Christ. Uh, fully Christ, but, but through our mouth. And through, through our mind, amen. So, uh, the, the subtitle is consider it what? Now, a lot of folks will say, hey, considerate joy, which that is a, a wonderful verse in James. But we're going we're to talk about something else. Let's talk about the cost of discipleship. And we've gone over this quite a bit. But real quick, uh, discipleship is not just something as easy. And here in America, uh, we've lost the understanding in a way of what a monarchy is about. Right. Matter of fact, our whole country was founded on the fact that we were rebelling against the monarchy. And that's kind of part of our American spirit. Right. I'm an American. You can't tell me what to do. I'm an American. Right. It's free country. Well, in the kingdom of God, it is a, it is a monarchy. It is uh, God and God alone is Christ. He is king. Right. King Jesus. It's, which means that everything about us belongs to him if we are truly submitted to him. So just kind of a quick review. Luke 14, 26 through 28, this is Jesus talking. If you want to be my disciple, anyone here want to be his disciple? If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. What? It seems a bit extreme. He says, your father, your mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. So he's, he's not telling you to go hate everyone. He's saying in comparison, you've got to love me far more than you love anything else is what he's saying. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And, and that's one problem I see in, in the modern day church is we, we love coming to church and kind of checking the boxes and saying, hey, I believe in Jesus. But then our lifestyle doesn't always uh, uh, reflect what the word of God teaches, Right? And well, because we love things equal or even more than we love him sometimes. Verse 27, and if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. In other words, he's saying, hey, you got to count the cost. You got to think about what it is that you're going to have to do. What What is this going to cost to you? And he goes on to talk about, <clears throat> you know, no man builds a tower without first figuring out how much it's going to cost to build that tower. Otherwise, he's going to get halfway through, run out of money, and everyone's going to go, Pff. you know. He, he couldn't even finish the task because he he didn't figure out how much it cost. <clears throat> Luke 14, 33, Jesus says, So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. What does that mean? That means that everything about you, everything you own, not just material possessions, but your thoughts, your desires—everything has to be His. So, well, what is He going to ask me to do with it? I don't know. That's between Him and you, <laughs> you know. Uh, but, but it's it's a uh, it's a full on sellout. I've, I have to be 100% sold out, vested. Everything about me is His. And uh, sometimes our flesh doesn't like that, man. Uh, it means we, we kind of, <clears throat> we lose out on some things, right? Uh, so let's, let's talk about this considering the cost real quick, uh, because it is it is pretty weighty, right? And, and most of you here have made that decision in your life. Uh, most of you are saying, said, yeah, Jesus, you're my king. Whatever I have, it's yours. It came from you anyway. So you just direct me, you tell me, you lead me. And that's wonderful. But at the same time, some of you have experienced, sometimes when you, when you follow the will of God, you do experience loss. You know, you, you experience uh, loss of jobs, loss of relationships. Some things you lose and you're happy to lose it, right? You needed to. They were toxic enough. I, uh, one of my, my dearest friends, uh, Brad Allen, uh, he lives, uh, he he was my youth pastor, actually the very first youth pastor I ever had. I was a teenager. He was in his early 20s when he, I remember the night he came in and got saved. I'd known his family. Uh, this was, once again, uh, dating myself to the Kung Fu era, uh, back in the 80s in the, the the era of the hair bands, right? Glory to God. Someone say amen to that, right? <clears throat> back when music was music, right? No. Uh <laughs> So, so Brad was, uh, a guitarist for, uh, he was, he was playing professionally and playing in different hair bands and was opening up for some major acts and playing on, you know, he, he played on, uh, uh, one of the albums for sticks. I know some of y'all remember sticks. Uh, <clears throat> and you know, so, so he had, uh, they, they, his band was touring and opening up for twisted sister, all that type of stuff. So when I first met Brad, he walked in, it was a Wednesday night church service he was supposed to be f- heading to DFW Airport to fly out, uh, to, to head up to Michigan to join a band that had just hired him. And uh, his grandmother, who attended our church, was driving him and had been witnessing to him and praying over him. Uh, he was addicted to cocaine. He was addicted to alcohol and, uh, you know, had big teased hair, <laughs> right? And so he told, finally told his grandmother, he said, turn around. Uh y'all having church tonight? And she said, Yeah, we have Wednesday night service. He said, Take me to church because I gotta find out if Jesus is real or not. And so he showed up, came walking in the door. I was I was about 14 years old playing drums for church, and, and I mean we got after it, right? Like the church I grew up in, man. We had lots of music and all this stuff. So here, you know, here comes this. You know, guy with, you know, hair down to here, teased out, looking like he's about to walk on stage. You know, it's like, man, you put a lot of effort into this. Uh, you know, spikes all over the place, had earrings, you know, hanging, dangling down, all this stuff. And when he, he, uh, at the end of the sermon, he made his way down to the front and gave his heart to the Lord and cried out. And said, Jesus, if you're real, I, I need to know. And the power of God came on him. He was filled with the Holy Spirit uh, uh, matter of fact it hit him so hard that the, the guy just fell out man and when he got up he was a new creature uh, totally free he never, never, never snorted another ounce of cocaine uh, was totally clean free from alcohol God delivered him those are the things that you go woo man I, I like that kind of loss right <laughs> these things that had me bound I like that kind of loss and some of you have been delivered from some things that God has just miraculously delivered you from uh, but at the same time, there are times that you do have to make difficult decisions where you say, I need to choose you, Lord. And he says, well, come on. But in order to do that, you got to let go of some things. And it hurts. How do you count the cost? Now, this is what Paul, the Apostle Paul, we're going we're gonna to take a look at Paul. First, we're going to read from the NLT, the New Living Translation. Uh, but then we're going to go back to the King James Version. And, and kind of see how, how the King James Version words it. This is Paul. He had just got through talking about uh, the theology that he grew up in. The Apostle Paul grew up. Uh, uh, he, he claimed, I, I was a Jew amongst Jews. I mean, he was learning to be a, a rabbi. He studied. Uh, he, he was an attorney. He, he studied uh, the law of Moses he knew it inside and out and he held it dear and he cherished it and then he had this encounter with Jesus uh, he was persecuted matter of fact he was so committed to the law he was he was uh, authorizing uh, he had a warrant an open warrant to go hunt down Christians and and bring them to justice sometimes that meant stoning them right he when Stephen was stoned Paul was there holding the coats of the men who were stoning Stephen. Uh, He was that zealous for the law of Moses. And then he has this encounter with Jesus. And he understands that now our relationship with God doesn't come through the rituals of the law, that the law was really just uh, a type and shadow and a model of what Jesus was actually going to do for us. And so Paul, God used him so eloquently through several books in the New Testament, several letters to articulate the comparisons of the law and faith in Christ, what Jesus has done for us to to bring us back to God. So he's talking about all these things he cherished uh, along with material things that he had. He said, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. And we go through that as well, things that we just thought were so important to us, and all of a sudden we come to the Lord and we're like, you know, I, I, I can live without that. And he says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And that word knowing, if you remember, we've talked about this in the Greek, it's uh, gnosis, uh, G-N-O-S-I-S. Gnosis, it means uh, to know with, uh, by experience, not just to know because you read it, but you know it because you experienced it, right? <clears throat> if, if any of you guys say, Pastor Dave's gumbo is good, It's because you've eaten it, right? It's not just because somebody said, hey, Pastor Dave can make some gumbo, and I can make, it's not bragging if you can do it. That's what I say. So I can make some gumbo. But, so if you know that my gumbo is good, it's because you've eaten it, right? In other words, you've experienced it. And same thing with Jesus. If you know that Jesus is good, it's not just because you come here and you hear a sermon. It's because you've experienced him for yourself. You've experienced the word for yourself. And that's what he's saying. The value of experiencing Christ and knowing his goodness and and how incredible he is, it, it makes everything else pale. Right? And we can all say amen to that. But at the same time, the reality is we're we're still human and it still hurts sometimes to lose Some things like Brad Allen, man, he can rejoice to this day, 30 some odd years going on 40 years. Uh, he's still free. Matter of fact, God's blessing. He retired early. Him and his wife were living down in a, uh, Cozumel and, and trying to get Erica and I to come down and visit. And I'm saying, glory to God, we're doing our best to figure out when we're going to do that. But, (laughs) uh, if you got a free place to stay in Cozumel, man, that's life is good, right? It says yes, everything is worthless even compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. He said everything I've had to lose and he said I've lost a lot. And for because of because of Christ I count it all as garbage. So that I can gain Christ. I just let it go. I, I discard it. What do you do with garbage? You throw it out. You discard it, right? Now, the NLT actually smoothed this phrase out, right? They, they said it. We, you know, he, they had Paul say, it, I count it as garbage. Uh, if you actually go to the literal translation, which the King James actually kind of uh, got a little bit more literal on it, what he says. Notice, this is how the King James puts it. And, and become one with him, which is what discipleship is about, right? Oh, wait, wait, this, we're still on the NLT. And become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. In other words, our trust in Christ is how we become righteous. You don't become righteous because of anything you do other than the fact that you trust that Christ has made you righteous if you have faith and his death, burial, and resurrection, right? So now this is what, the King James actually uh, didn't hide it quite so much. <clears throat> but, Paul, but but what things were gained to me, those I count at loss for Christ. So he's talking about the loss. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. He's saying, man, I lost everything. For Christ. And he says, but I do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Now, the NLT smoothed it out a little bit and said, well, I count it as garbage, right? They were being a little bit more polite. But if you actually look, and you can go back to the Greek, and, and if you go to Young's literal translation, it'll tell, he, he was being really plain. He said, everything I've lost, I counted as dung. It's kind of gross. But Paul, Paul was very uh, direct, sometimes. Matter of fact, if you read the the book of Galatians, uh, Paul had just spent some time in Galatia and he chatted, he was, it was a, it was a mixed congregation. It was folks uh, that were Greek and, and Mesopotamian and all that, and, and some Jews. And he just got through teaching because there were, there was this concept of, hey, we're believers in Christ. This is kind of a, a Jewish faith in a way. Do do we need to be circumcised because all you Jews were circumcised? And so Paul got through teaching them that, hey, no, it's now about circum- circumcision was just uh, a, a model. It was a token of, it, it, was, it was a physical token of the covenant that, that God had over you. But now it's circumcision of the heart. In other words, when you believe, have faith in Christ, he removes excess flesh from your heart. Uh, your your desires, you you die out to yourself, you become alive in Christ, right? That's part of discipleship, right? <clears throat> but then uh, after he left Galatia, there were a couple of guys that showed up preaching saying no, you guys got to get circumcised. And so the Galatian church went, oh, okay And Paul was like mad, right So he's writing this letter to the Galatians uh, and and he's he's going off about it. he's like, oh man, who who is who has spellbound you? Why are you so vexed? You know, who how, how are you so easily swayed when I just got through teaching you a few weeks back that no, it's through faith in Christ, right? And so he he's he's fussed about circumcision, and then he gets really carried away. And and he calls these two preachers out by names, and he says, basically, if if you go back and read the translation, he he says, if he's so fired up, and this is the way Paul is, he would just uh, he, he wouldn't sit well in a lot of modern day churches, right? Because he would just just spout off his anger and, and things would come out. And he and so he said, these guys that are teaching you, that you need to be circumcised. I, if, if that makes them holy, then I wish they would just go ahead and castrate themselves. And you're like, well, Paul, we're trying to have church, man. What are you doing? Shh, you, know, you can't be talking like that, right? You know, But that's how Paul was. He would just get fired up and he would say things that were just blunt. And so here he is again. He's saying everything that I've lost, I just consider it dung. I just you know, fecal matter. That's gross, Paul. and here's here's the here's the issue I struggle with uh, when when i' yeah you know, I've been studying about discipleship, praying about discipleship, I want to be a good disciple. I want us all to be a good disciple. You know we if 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 we have seventy folk show up on sunday, we we need to do our best to disciple each other. Uh, because if we're not, what what good would it be to ha- be, have seven hundred folk show up? If all we're doing is having a church event, right? Uh, we don't want to have just a church service. We want to be discipled. We want to become like Christ, you know, and 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 walk in His authority and learn to love the way He loved and all that stuff. So, so so here He is. He says, "I, I counted all his dung, everything I had to lose." Here's here's what I wrestle with, and some of you guys may do the same. There are some things that were toxic enough in my life. I'm glad God, you know, following Christ got rid of some things and obeying Christ got rid of some things in my life and I'm glad. But then there are some things that I lost that I don't, I don't consider dung. Like, they, you know, and some of you guys have gone through that. There are relationships I've lost. There are mentorships I've lost. There are um, just, uh a uh, uh, fellowship that I've lost, being obedient to Christ that I don't consider it, it hurts. It's not, it's not, they weren't horrible things and yet they did have to go by the wayside because when I chose to be obedient to Christ, that things, you know, they, they kind of, kind of withered away, right? And, and some of you guys have faced that. Some of you have lost family connections some of you have lost uh, career connections out of being obedient with Christ. And you're, it hurts. So how do we reconcile it with it? And, and I was telling the Lord, that, and, and the Lord kind of, I, I want to share some things real quick uh, as as to how to count the cost. And it helped me out. Um, it's, it's to consider it garbage or to consider it dung, it's more of the process. It's not that you're labeling A person or a thing and that that was from your past as garbage or dung but it's the it's the process of it right uh in other words how many enjoyed thanksgiving dinner well i did multiple times (laughs) right we had some leftovers how many of you are sitting here mourning that you no longer have thanksgiving dinner in your body no one it's the process and and i'm trying to be as diplomatic as I can on this subject, but, but Paul's the one that brought it up, so if you get offended, just get mad at Paul, right, uh, in other words, we understand that's the process, you enjoy food, you enjoy dinner, you enjoy this fellowship, you consume it, your body gets whatever blessing it can out of it, whatever nutrients it can, and then it passes, and that is really life, isn't it? because nothing is permanent on this planet. Everything about this realm and this reality is transient. Right? Even this neighborhood is a beautiful neighborhood. If we could come back here in 150 years, I don't know. It would be interesting to see what it looks like, right? <laughs> or who's living here or if anyone's living here, right? Uh, you know, family. Uh you know, my family, my um, you know, my my sister had mentioned to to her, her daughter, she's like, "Man, I guess the just because you know, Christmas time's busy, we're not sure if we're going to be able to get together on Christmas." And She mentioned to her daughter, "She's like, man, I, you know, the days of all of us getting together at Christmas may may actually kind of be over." And the the reality is, it it may be, right? We used to, man, mom and dad when they were they were alive, and we'd all get together, man, my siblings, and you know, my my brother, he's gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, things change. Things are transient. And and we can sit around and we can mourn over it, or in our discipleship, we can count all of our loss as dung, or in other words, garbage. Or in other words, not that those things. There's nothing. You know, my family dynamics. Man, I got wonderful memories. Lots of wonderful memories about Christmas, and I praise God for it. But at the same time, it was for a season in life. It passes. The things that I've had to lose, uh, you know, many of you know my story. In order to be obedient to the Lord, uh, you know, I, I went through some uh, personal trials, and in doing so, certain dynamics, even with my own girls, my own daughters, it's, it, it, things are changed. It's altered forever, and it would be easy to mourn the, the, the season that I lost out on, uh, or I can say it was for a season, and I can praise God for what I experienced, and now things are different, and I can make the most of it now, and discover what this new different is. Right, and and uh, that's part of the process. I I don't want anyone to get stuck in a rut. It's really easy to get stuck in a rut of 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 hurt and mourning the past, mourning loss. You know, like I said, not not everything you look at can you stick that label on of garbage or dung or whatever. But it's the process. Knowing that there are some things that will come into your life and bless you. And then they're going to move on. And be done away with. And just praise God and enjoy it. That means everything in life. Everything. You have to hold like this. You can't hold tight to anything. Even your spouse, I'm not trying to be like Debbie Downer today, right? But you know, the Lord tarries and we all live long enough, you know. One of you's getting out of here early, <laughs> earlier than the other, right? That's hey, that's how it is. Uh you know, and, and unless uh I don't know, if something happens, you go together, <laughs> but otherwise, hey, God's blessed us with some wonderful spouses here, man. I love my wife. And uh but I told her, I said, you can't leave before me. That's, that's the pact, right? <laughs> I got, you know, I got I to go, make it to heaven first. And uh, I don't think if she's listening, I don't think she listens to me on that. She's like, wait, well, hey, man, whatever, man. I got some loved ones over there too. Not that either one of us have a death wish, but you know, we're, we're still enjoying each other and enjoying our life. But, but, but that's the reality is even that isn't permanent. Nothing in this life is permanent. And so we have to, if, if you can learn just to, the only thing that is, pregnant, the Bible says that these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. There's only three things that you get to take on the other side that will remain, faith, hope, and love. Because you always got to, even on the other side, we're going to be trusting them, right? <laughs> we're going to have faith in them. And, and he's always going to be our hope. You know, we have a great hope to see our loved ones. I guarantee you, they got a great hope to see us and love. Well, God is love. We're going we're to get to live in that. So this is what, this is the, the, the game plan that Paul, uh, this is the game plan that Paul used. He, he goes on to say later here in his letter to the, to the Philippians, because he's talking about oneness with Christ. You know, I counted all garbage and dung so that I can be one with Christ. And that sounds really awesome. But sometimes putting it into practice is hard, right? So Paul goes on to say this. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. So he's even admitting, look, I'm, I'm working hard to become one with Christ. I've not yet achieved it. He said, but this, this is the one thing I focus on. I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Isn't that awesome? So when he woke up in the morning, he said, this is what I'm trying to do. I know I, I, know I lost a lot, but that's the past. Can't do anything about that but I'm looking forward to what Christ has for me. He said, I I look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. And that's what's wonderful. A heavenly prize, that doesn't mean just that you're gonna get something in the sweet by and by, right? Woo, when I get to heaven, he's got a prize for me. What do you need a prize for when you get to heaven, man? Everything's perfect there, (laughs) you know? I need a prize now, you know? And that's the thing is he's called us to his kingdom, a heavenly kingdom. We get to experience heaven here. And, and so, so I can let go. I can consider it garbage or dung. In other words, I can understand that some things come into my life to serve a purpose and then to move on and let it go, knowing he's got a prize for me. And one of the biggest prizes is I get to every day I get to learn to be more like him. I get to strive to be more like him. And if I could be more like him, was Jesus ever defeated? No. I mean, I don't have to be defeated. Did he, ever, did he ever stay discouraged? No, I don't have to stay discouraged. Was he always victorious? Yes. I can be victorious because he's called me to it. But I've got to learn to count the cost. Just consider it passing it all passes, and it's okay. Uh, matter of fact, the Lord wants somebody to hear this. Uh, the, the, uh, you can find, then uh, there was actually a book written about this, The, the Prayer of Jabez. Uh, Jabez, it's, it's funny, you, you, you go through all the, the begots in the Bible, right? And those of you who are reading through the Bible, the one-year plan, uh, if you've already started with Isaac's group, uh, I think we're seven or eight days into it, but uh, you'll, hit, you'll hit a few chapters where it's like so-and-so begot so-and-so, or so-and-so birthed so-and-so, and so-and-so had so-and-so. And it's just, you know, this, you know the Jews are really big on lineage of knowing where to come from. And then all of a sudden it, it mentions Jabez. Jabez, that poor guy, his mama named him Jabez, and the name Jabez means pain. How would you like for your mom to, hey, come here, pain? (laughs) And it says, and Jabez cried out to God, and he said, Oh, that you would broaden my borders, and that you would keep your hand with me, so that you would keep me from harm, and I would be free from pain. Why would he pray that? Because his name was pain. That's all he identified with. He said, I want to be free from this identity, I want to be free from pain. You can go through pain, but you can be free from it, right? You can have pain, but pain doesn't have to have you in life. You can go through some hard things. Those hard things don't have to go through you. But he also said, enlarge my borders, enlarge my territory. And and it's a simple prayer. And then the Bible says, and God answered his prayer. And -and so-and-so begot so-and-so. So it's like this really interesting pause and all this begetting. And that's for some of you that's what God is trying to do for you He's trying to broaden your borders He's trying to make space for you because you've got some growing to do right any of you ever gotten a puppy and and seen we, we've got a we got our, our Doberman puppy Lucy she's got some big feet which lets you know she's probably going to be getting a lot bigger than she is right now right what's she doing well she got some growing to do. God will do that. He will, make a, he will make space for you. And in doing so, sometimes it's hard because we don't understand what he's trying to do. That, that he pushes things out to make space. And all of a sudden, there are people and things that were so close to us that now all of a sudden are way over there. And we're like, what happened? He's making space for you. Don't misinterpret the apparent isolation as something negative. Uh, sheep never give birth in the middle of the sheep pen and in the middle of the herd. They always go find a lonely bush or a cave somewhere to, to give birth, a hidden place where they're, they're, you know, you may be in the middle of the pack, but you may feel totally isolated and alone. Don't misinterpret that as something negative. It could be for 2024 that God is like Jabez. He is broadening your borders, making space, and things that used to be really close and tangible for you are now out of your reach. That's okay. Count it all garbage, <laughs> dung. It doesn't mean it's garbage or dung. It just means, hey, it served a purpose. Now, now it's moved on. But God's got something bigger for me. Amen. It's part of discipleship and growth. Let's all stand real quick. We'll have the musicians come on back. Amen. If you're here today, you've never asked Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, to be king. Maybe you've given him your your cares at one point, but you've never given him your full heart, your whole life. I want to encourage you to do that. The Bible says in Romans that if you believe in your heart that he was resurrected and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, that means... Uh, you know, that sounds really religious, but it actually means that he's boss, that he is, he's ruler of every part of your life. If you'll believe and then confess it, it says that you're saved, you, you enter into the kingdom of God. You've got access to everything he has for you. Amen. And I encourage you to do that today. Lord, I love you. Thank you, Father, for counting us worthy to be your disciples. Thank you for teaching us. And thank you, uh, even though we, we give everything up, everything we gain in you, <laughs> our loss can't compare it to what we gain in you. It's so phenomenal and so mind-blowing and at times hard to even put into words. But at the same time, we're human and you understand that. You were human as well. The Bible says you're a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And you understand, Lord, sometimes our pain of letting go. But remind us there's this great reward that anything we let go of, you replace with something far more phenomenal, far more life-changing. And so I pray that you you empower us, Holy Spirit, to let go of everything that would keep us back, to set aside all the weight that would keep us from running this race. And teach us to be more like you this week praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, I'll be hanging out in the corner. You can grab one of your neighbors and ask them to pray with you. But let's sing one more time as a a family before we head on out for our week and just praise them one more time. And and, uh, in case I don't get a chance to talk to you between now and next week, make sure you have a very joyful and merry Christmas. Amen.